Hey guys, what's up and welcome back to episode 41 of That Scale RC Show. I'm one of your hosts, Adam, alongside with... Jeremy. And um, yeah, I'm just going to get this um, out of the way. If I sound a little weird or bad connection, I'm going to apologize in advance. Um, I'm on a remote location um, recording in a secret bunker. No, I'm just kidding. I'm up in Auburn. Um, We are getting some work done to the full-size Jeep at WFO Concepts, so we're here tonight, and then we'll be back home tomorrow, so didn't want to leave you guys hanging, so doing the show on the road. But, um, yeah. <sighs> Jay, do you have anything new and exciting going on, or uh, still just hunkered down? <laughs> no, there's. it's killing me. Like, I got that Bronco that I want to get out and drive and got some new shoes from Altra yesterday and so I'm like just kind of chomping at the bit to get out and enjoy the nice weather we've been having that's what sucks it's been like rainy and everything before this and then now that it's like quarantine time all of a sudden the weather's just been absolutely amazing here so well that's kind of funny it's kind of been like a little bit opposite for us um when this first quarantine stuff broke out and the first rumors were going to happen uh it was dumping up here because um you know it was just you know rain left right and center and then it kind of petered out and then it came back in and so i was kind of like i guess it's not that bad because it's raining what else am i going to do then of course this week it's been like 60, 65 degrees every day. So it's like, oh, it'd be so nice to be able to go do stuff, but it's like you can't do anything. And I don't know how crazy it is, and like I don't want to totally, you know, focus all this on, um, you know, what's going on, because um, I'm sure everybody, you know, they, they don't want to hear about that when they when they come check in on our show. They want to they want to get their minds off what's going on in the world. But um, a lot of our parks um, have shut down like state parks um federal parks they've all shut down so like that's happened here too anywhere you want to go like where you can go scaling it's like it's all shut down so what do you do you know and then i mean i've heard you know some people saying that like they're issuing fines if they find you out at these places because technically they're shut down you're not supposed to be there so yeah it's fair i mean yeah that makes sense. So it's like, do you risk it? You know, so I don't know. And then, so of course, I wanted to catch up on some builds. Um, and what's what's really bumming me right now is I'm like just like chomping at the bit to get my hands on an SCX 10.3. I'm waiting for my local hobby shop to get one because if there's anything we can do during this time is support the local businesses, um, support your local hobby shop. You know, they're doing everything in their power to stay open, to keep the lights on, um, you know, because they're going through this just like us. And if you have the extra money to spend on parts, you know, I know ordering online is super easy. Um, And that's the other thing too. Some of these local shops, you know, they do offer online shipping, you know, like they'll ship it out to you. If you get a hold of them, email them, you know, call them, say, hey, you know, can you just ship it to me? I don't really want to leave the house, you know, all that stuff. But um, I'm waiting for JJ Customs to get their order in. And then I should be good to go. Um, I already got my since we last talked on the live episode from last week. Um, I got those SSD diamond housings for the um, what is it? The Trail King. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, be the tra- those are. yeah. So the Trail King. I got those in. They showed up. That was actually pretty quick. I literally ordered them after we stopped recording that show, which was you know was did we do that Wednesday night last week? 
yes. Okay. I I always get confused if we bump off a day or not, but um, ordered that Wednesday night, and they showed up Saturday. Yeah, Saturday morning. God, that's quick. So they 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 showed up pretty quick. Um. So I and of course I immediately put those things together. So I had a set of axles um, that I got from uh, David Faborg, and I used the innards on those because that because um, that build that those came with, you know, because those axles. I know I'm getting all over the place. The um, AR44s. Sorry, I was. Super blink right there. Uh, AR44s that are that came with some other parts for a build that I'm working on. I'm gonna go with the SSD Super 60, so it's gonna be like old school housing, just because I think that's gonna look better. Um, and I'm gonna go with those on that build. So I said, perfect. I'll use those for this. And I put them all together. They look so sick. They're so scale. Um, I love the offset pumpkin on them. They look they're they're badass. And they went together fairly easy. Um, it's just, a, I mean, overall, in my opinion, it's pretty, it's a pretty nice quality setup and the front comes with aluminum knuckles or aluminum C's. So I am going to go with some aluminum knuckles just to pair them up and she'll be ready to roll. Nice. That'll be good. So that'll look super scale. Um, I'll, I, I'm not going to, it's not going to have the, um, the, whatchamacallit's, uh, it's not going to have the, the portals. So, um, it's going to, in my opinion, stay super scale to what it is. This JL build that I want to do is just, you know, it's going to be one of those super detailed Lexan builds is what I'm going for. Like a kind of going as dollhouse as you can with a Lexan body, basically, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. That's, you know, I, I'm caught in a weird place too because I'm building, and this is actually good because it's funny that this is what, this show's turning into today because I was thinking about like, you know, let's just talk about like builds this time, like past builds, current builds, you know, and kind of funny all of a sudden that's exactly what it gravitated to. But, uh, not like I'm, I'm really stuck cause I'm building the GT 500 themed, uh, 73 Ford Bronco. And somebody asked me the other day if I was going to do a bunch of, scale accessories and stuff like that and like i'm really torn on this thing because it's so clean looking right now like it's got you know i've got mirrors for it and i mean just really like as detailed as i could with a lexan body i cut up a toyota sr5 bed from proline and used the center just the inner like bed portion of it the tub and uh that actually dropped in perfectly um inside the uh, Ford Bronco body and there's a body line where the sides of the top on it meet the body sides and it kind of has a shelf and it just happens to where that proline bed just fits perfectly and the body like rests right on top of the bed where that line is I mean it couldn't have gone together any more perfect and then I did a uh, Wraith 1.9 uh, interior cockpit setup on it and it, it looks pretty good good you know it's not it, it's got a little bit of kind of a modern look to it you know and kind of race car look and same with like the seats and stuff in it and then i did a uh umg 
10 slash um, SCX 10.3 driver head because those are the same. The Unimog and the 3 have the same same dude. So I did one of those and like painted it all up and everything. But like I'm really torn whether or not, you know, it's like how carried away do I want to get with it? You know, because I mean, it's kind of a sleeper. Like it's going to perform really, really good. And I'm excited about that. But, you know, it's like, do I put a bunch of crap on it or do I just leave it really clean and super lightweight so that it, you know, is kind of a good compromise, like best of both worlds? Like, I'm just, I'm kind of at a crossroads with that thing and I don't really know which way I want to go. Yeah, um, I mean, I've seen pictures of it. So like, what I would kind of do is, I mean, maybe throw some like scale, you know, accessories in the in the bed portion of it, like, you know, what would be, like, in the cargo area, because it is supposed to be, like, the mint, you know, style, so it's, like, you know, desert racing, and, you know, all desert racers have some sort of, like, you know, uh, parts, so that way if they break down, they're still, you know, ready to do a, uh, a repair and get back out there. Yeah, it has, like, a real street rig look to it, though. Like, it doesn't look super off-roadish, and it doesn't have big tires or anything, so I'm, like, trying to think, like, I could do, like, a toe strap in the back, Maybe, like, I have some, uh, actually, I can't talk about it yet. Um, I've got one or two little scale goodies I was thinking about putting back there, but I can't say anything about them yet until I've got them, like, ready to announce. So, um, I don't know. I think I'm just going to go kind of minimal and just, you know, have the thing to where it's super lightweight. And it's got a brushless system in it, so it hauls ass. That's one kind of funny thing about it. It's like total sleeper when you look at it, but it's got a 3100 KV uh, Rock 412 HD in it and then a Tekken RX4. So, like, the thing's ridiculously fast for being a crawler. So, I don't know. It, it's I think it'll be a fun trail truck. Plus, I actually think the thing's going to do really well out on the rocks, but it's just killing me sitting here looking at it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I'm also doing the same thing. So it's like, once again, you know, my, typical Adam fashion, I did not. Um, it's like I got like three ideas going on at once. So, of course, I'm trying to do them all at the same time or whatever. But um, Todd's making me that K20, the 70 K20 hard body. And um, since he's actually been fortunate enough to work during all this, he hasn't really had a lot of time to finish the body work on it. And. Um, it uh you know he so he's you know kind of still has that so it's like i can't really work any farther on that but there's still parts i need for that and i came up on a come up on a part for that build i found an ssd um uh was it the scale what do you what do they call it the scale transmission ultimate scale transmission the, the I one think, i think so yeah so um they uh, so somebody was selling it new in package on the Facebook Marketplace for a hundred bucks. Oh wow! So it was fifty dollars off. So I said I'll take it. And I believe the one that you buy by itself is metal. The one that comes with the Trail King is plastic. So actually, I think you got a pretty good deal there. Well, I went on A Main to see like if that price was like, you know, pretty comparable for what it was right. and um, a main sells that transmission by itself for 150 so i said all right so 100 bucks you know oh yeah no that's a great deal then i'm, ha I'm happy so nice. all i really have left on that build to get parts wise is 
the RC four wheel drive um, leaf spring kit uh, just to get that you know to kind of go um, like so that with that build still staying on track so I got to get that um, and then I believe after that it's just start collecting some electronics um, I already got the wheels off to get the tires I'll probably do that when I order since everything's coming from RC four wheel drive. Um, but yeah, so the reason why I'm not too like, I mean, like if I see something like I did with the transmission, I grabbed it because, you know, it was a good deal. Couldn't pass up, you know, a deal like that when you see it. Um, but since I don't have the body back, it's like, I'm not like, oh, I'm dying to get this going, you know? So it's kind of funny. It's like, of course, two of the builds I want to start working on or get going. It's like something's holding up each end of it. And you're like, ugh. Is is the body you're getting from Todd? Is that thing gonna have a hood that opens on it? Like, since you got that SSD trans, are you gonna do the V8 motor and everything in it too? I don't think I'm gonna go V8 motor. I did that trans for two reasons. One, because I knew that it, it's gonna be leaf spring, and you know, a leaf spring rig doesn't really crawl. Like everybody knows, it doesn't crawl as well as a linked rig, um, which is kind of ironic because you can only push a link or a leaf sprung rig in the one-to-one world so f- like so far. Um, and it's kind of the same thing with the RC cars, you know. It's like the same technology seems to have the same issues when you're crawling around. But, um, yeah, uh, so I wanted to put a little more weight up forward just to try and see if it helps it out a little bit. Um, plus, I wanted to um, have some room to do an interior. And uh, so I just figured that would be a great, w- like, a great way to start. Plus, the fact that that transmission was designed to drop into an SCX-10, you know, chassis rail. I figured it would be a seamless install. Right, yeah. So it wasn't like, because I, I did, I thought about it. I said, well, maybe I can find somebody getting rid of the um, SCX-10-3 transmission since it's, you know, a forward design as well. But then I was like, eh, what if you don't? Like, you know, or what if somebody wants, like, a ridiculous amount of money? Or what if I get it and then it's too hard for me to adapt it to the new or to the old chassis? So I was like, let me just go with something that's a little bit easier. So, Well, and saving uh, 50 bucks on it, too. That's like you kind of just couldn't lose on that deal. Pretty much. So, um, yeah, so that's why I wanted to try something a little different. Um, and we'll just go from there. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. I mean, it is, this is going to be new for me. I've never – that'll be like my my first total dollhouse hard body build. And I'm and it's funny because I'm trying to make this um, JL my full dollhouse Lexan body build. So I'll have like two different style of builds going at the same time. I have only had one hard body, and that was I, – I made a SEX10 uh, OG one into a D90 and it was like a 10 and a half inch wheelbase and man what a pain in the ass that was and and on top of that like it crawled like crap i mean it had metal roof rack and ladders you know like the the d90 land rover bodies are just yeah there's stuff all over them you know and like it had like every bit of like rack and tire carrier and ladder and stuff and that thing was so miserable i mean it was kind of fun on trails and stuff for the most part but it was just i don't know that was how i kind of figured out that i didn't really care for rigs like that in this particular area but I don't know. Like Lexan like that axial the the JL, I mean it that's kind of proof that like you can go super super scale with a Lexan body now. Like they're getting so detailed that 
you know, to have a super scale build, you don't necessarily need to have a hard body anymore, which is kind of nice, you know, because it takes a lot to get a hard body rig to perform really well because all that weight up tall. Exactly. And I've only had two hard body rigs in the in the past one i still currently have one i had since sold off which is like one of the few builds i've actually got rid of um but my first hard body rig was i really wanted to do like a pinched and dovetailed kind of build so i got a tamiya um clawed buster body and i did the body work myself sealed in the sunroof filled in the where the hood blower goes and um you know then i cut it pinched it glued it back together did the body work bondoed it sanded it all that stuff and i do got to say that for like when you're doing that kind of modification to a body it's so much nicer to have a hard body because you can use oh, yeah. bondo you can do all that stuff to hide all your cuts you know um i've also done some scabbing with lexan it's doable but you're going to see the seams. It's not going to be perfect. Yeah, I've I've done that with Lexan before and just, like, hid the seams with a wrap, which is super easy for me to do, obviously, because that's what I do here. But, yeah, it's Lexan just doesn't turn out quite as clean. I mean, you can get pretty close with shoe goo and drywall tape and stuff, but it still doesn't look as good as a hard body does when they're done upright. So. Exactly. So... Um, yeah, so that was my first attempt with that, and and that rig actually worked pretty well. But then again, that was back when I was still using the OG SCX10 platform. Um, so I was doing all kinds of like tips and tricks. Like back then, you were trying to get a lot of um, weight down low, and I remember back then. This is why it's like kind of like crazy thinking about it. It's bringing it back a little bit. Um, the like weighted wheel rings and stuff were like the the in thing back then so i actually had a set of delrin wheels from a, a vendor on rc crawler called dude custom wheels and he used to he would machine wheels you tell him like he'd show the styles he can do and you'd be like yeah i want this style i want it you know one nine and i want it this wide and he would make it to the size you want if you wanted um, if you wanted SLW style hubs, he'd do it to SLW style hubs. If you wanted like, um, I forget what the other hubs were out back then. Um, if you wanted gearhead style hubs, he'd make them to gearhead style hubs. And he just like he just machine them. I mean, and they were like fairly inexpensive. It was like eighty bucks for a set of four, you know. So it's like you're like okay, so you know that's not bad. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just pretty, like, it was pretty cool. But then you were able to use, since he'd do, and that was the other thing he'd do, is he'd do, um, like, the face would be uh, drilled for a certain setup. Like, if you said, yeah, I want the eight-hole style axial beadlock ring, he'd do that so you could use something that was available. So I used to use um, those wheels, and I got a set of rock rings from BPC because he made them out of, like, I forget what it was. It was, like... I want to say like 16, was it about 16 gauge? I mean, I'm trying to think how thick it was. I know it wasn't super thick, but it was a lot thicker than like what you, you know, like you see now out of aluminum, but, um, they were steel rings and he would do an inner and an outer and that would create enough weight. And you'd add that. Plus that's back when I did the full droop setup with the shocks, with the springs, 
underneath the piston, so it would want to compress the shock down to keep it riding low. Mm-hmm. And that and that rig performed pretty well. Yeah. So I was pretty happy with it. Um, I still have it to this day. I probably should do like that'd be kind of a cool segment. Do like a I call call it like a a vintage crawl. Take out a rig that you don't. Uh, you know, really run too often, and then go take it out and still run it. Um, I gave it a minor facelift. I changed some of the um, bed cage around a little bit. Uh, I switch. I since then switched over to SSD sixty housings, which I had Ty uh, Johnston make me a set of custom axle tubes. You know, the brass ones for that axle, um, so I could do the XR mod on it. And uh, yeah, the rig still crawls great. So and now with the brass in there, plus the weighted rings, plus the um, the droop setup, I mean the thing just stays sucked down for how heavy that rig is. Nice. So I I mean I'm I'm pretty happy with it. My other hard body rig that I did was back in like I want to say like 2015. Um, this uh, the original project rattle trap um, that JK that they put the 12 valve Cummins in. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that thing was badass. I was like, "This thing's sick." So yeah, I like that one. So when I saw a um, when I saw a hard body JK that somebody had converted into like a JK8, um, which is basically what Rattle Trap was, uh, I said, "Oh!" And it was and it was fairly affordable. I think they wanted like a hundred bucks for the body, and it was already all converted. So I was like, I'll take it. So um, I I was able to do a little more body work, fix a couple things. Um, it was since you're inheriting somebody else's project, there were some areas that needed some work, um, or that just didn't work for what I was doing, and then you had to try and hide it. Uh, so um, did a little body work, and then I put that on two twos. But I was just having a hard time because back then there was you know there weren't people really do, i mean like the roncho which is where you take the wraith axles and put it on SCX10 so the nickname roncho popped up because you know a lot of people they were they were saying that because people would use like the honcho body and put the wraith axles underneath it and i guess that's where the name came from mm-hmm. and um, that was the style i was going for i was trying to keep it you know SCX10 frame rails with AR60s underneath it but the problem I was coming into was since there weren't like the people that eventually came out with like frame plate adapters or chassis conversion kits. Like BPC actually has a chassis that's for the Wraith skid. So you could use a Wraith skid, put chassis rails on it, put links to it. It all works just like a Wraith link kit, but it's got chassis rails so you can make it, you know, it looks a little more scale, I guess you could say. Um, so this was prior to all that, so we were trying to make it work. I just had binding issues, and that thing used to eat up motors left, right, and center. I, it just, it I just had that was, happened with the rig, but it was due to overdrive, like way too much. Well, so this one, what it was, was I guess the happy medium was the rig had, like, realistically, if I could have kept the rig just with, like, very minimal flex, it probably would have been fine, but the problem was... I was doing the same thing. I was trying to come up with a droop setup to kind of keep it low so it wouldn't like, you know, wouldn't be too top heavy because I knew it was a hard body. But even at that with the two twos, the front and rear drive shaft angle were just so steep that when it wanted to stretch out, the drive shafts would bind and it was just putting extra wear. Because I remember 
running that thing at Axial Fest 2015, and I remember making it halfway through the river section, and you could just smell the motor. The motor was not happy. The thing, the freaking, um, what is it? The the bell housing was super hot, and I was just like. Yeah, just like I said, and it was geared super low too, and that was the crazy thing. So I was just like, yeah, it's just, it's just not having it. So after that, I kind of retired that body, sold that off with the, um, with the axles. Actually, I think I sold that off as a slider. They didn't. They wanted the person who bought it off me wanted to turn it into a one nine. So he asked for just the chassis. Um, he didn't even want the links because he wanted to put SCX ten links on it. And so he basically got the chassis with all my bumpers and the body. So, um, yeah. But that was really my only experience with hard body. I've kind of like veered away from hard body since then. And now it's just like that. It's like I know that if you want the super scale detail, it's it's got to be hard body. But like the one I'm doing, I'm not expecting it to be a performer, like crazy performer. I mean, of course I want it to work. But – right. I don't expect it to pull off lines like a out of the box um, SCX ten three or out of the box um, Enduro would would work, you know. Right. Yeah. So. No, it's I don't know. I I was kind of in a funk with like building stuff, and then I got excited. Like I, I'm still finishing up a couple loose ends on the Ram charger. Like, I'm coming up with a different battery setup for that thing because I'm just not happy with how I ended up having to have the battery in it. It was just too high, a little too far forward for my liking. Um, and, like, I I don't know. Like, I've wanted to do this Bronco for really quite a long time, like almost a year now, and I'm just finally getting around to doing that. But I was in kind of a funk for a while. Like, didn't really know what I wanted to build and was really, like, on the fence about it. And now, like, I've got, like, the next thing planned out already and everything. So that's one nice thing about, you know, like, in the middle of a project, it seems like you're kind of inspired and coming up with a lot more cool ideas than if you're not in the middle of a project and you're just like trying to force yourself to think of something like it for whatever reason if i'm actively like engaged in a build then good ideas seem to come to me a little bit easier if that makes sense yeah uh, for me it's not so much that i mean i get what you're saying i've had that happen where like you're doing something you're thinking about it and you're like oh that's pretty cool maybe i can adapt that to this or oh you know this would work really well on this and then you start like bouncing back and forth between projects my problem is i usually have an idea off of something i've seen whether it's in a magazine on instagram in real life you know whatever and i want to replicate it or I go, oh, that'd be totally perfect for this platform, and then you want to start going, and then while you're in the middle of it, somebody else releases something else, or you see something else, <laughs> they're like, oh, that could totally work for this, and then you like change, you know, your your uh, your direction, or you know, and exactly, <laughs> and, and that and that happens to me, like I. Uh, I hate to say more often than I'd like to admit. I mean, the the worst case I ever had was uh, right before Axial Fest 2017, the Prospector theme one. Mm-hmm. So uh, Proline had come out with that utility bed, and I really wanted to make like an off-road recovery, like chase truck kind of build. Like I I just you know like I had something in my mind that I was like, oh, that's gonna look cool. You know, I should do that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right. So 
I really wanted to do that, and I just couldn't put anything. I just couldn't get anything to work. You know, like I was trying to come up with a rack that looked all right, but because I was trying to make something that attaches to Lexan, it had to be light. So I was trying to use tubing, so I had to get the bends all perfect and stuff. It just wasn't turning out the way I wanted it to be. So I was kind of getting frustrated, and then all of a sudden. The Proline, um, the 56 Chevy, where you could get it with the bed or without the bed, came out. And I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a flat bed. And, I, and all of a sudden, I did that. And that was one of my – at the time, that was one of my favorite builds. Like as far as like it, it, it turned out the way I wanted it. It was pretty scale. It looked, it looked pretty badass. And you know, it, you know, it, it hit on everything that I was looking for. It you know it's weird. It's like sometimes like having too much inspiration can be just as bad as not having any. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. It's just kind of weird how that works. You know, it's like you can have too many ideas and like not enough rigs and stuff. And I don't know. You know, speaking of that body, the one cool thing about that is I having the detachable bed. I wish they would do that on all their truck bodies. Like, every truck that Proline releases, I would love it if they would have the cab and the bed separate. Because it just opens up so many possibilities. You can do a, you know, a rear cage and cut the bed sides off the bed and just hang the bed sides on the tubing, which I'm a big fan of that. I think that looks really cool. So, I mean, there's, like, all these different options and stuff that you can do. So, it's it's kind of one of those things. Like, I really wish they would just continue with that. Like, their Raptor body they released. I'm doing a... Uh, some decals for Chris at Altra and it, it just was making me think about it the, the other day. Cause I was like, man, you know, that thing, it would be nice if the bed was two different pieces on it and, and that, and it's also just a really difficult one to try and wrap too. But I think what we're going to do for him is, uh, we're going to do like the Walker Evans truck and just do stripes that way he can paint it. Cause that thing is like, I told him, like if you're going to wrap that for the Proline Raptor body, then like, honestly, make sure you're in a good place mentally before you start on it. Cause it is not fun at all. So he, uh, we, we settled on just doing a sticker kit for it instead where he'll just paint the body two colors and then do some stripes to cover the tape line on it and call it good. Nice. Yeah. Um, that was one thing I've been meaning to work on and I, uh, you know, I started to do it, and of course, you know, that's like another thing I'm trying to, I guess, you know, um, accomplish is I want to do a little bit more like quality, you know, videos, you know, for like our YouTube and stuff. And like one mm -hmm. of them I'm wanting to do is like a, you know, on the bench when you're doing certain stuff, like a, like a wrap or, you know, installing something like something that you know, that could help somebody who like doesn't have any clue and and. Um, I've been trying to gather some parts to be able to do that because it's like I don't want to be spending a ton of money on something you know that I'm not going to use all the time because I already went down that road once. Um, I got a um, I got a GoPro session um, back when it first came out, which I think was the session four because I think the latest one they have is a session five, but I got a session four. And I remember when that thing first came out, I was all stoked to get it. It was the smallest GoPro on the market. And, of course, I shelled out, like, the big bucks for it. It was, like, 400 and something bucks and this, that, and the other. So I got it. And then, of course, you know, two months later, they dropped the prices 
and it was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? It's like, so it, that kind of like let a lot of air out of the balloon, and I was like, okay. And then, you know, and it's it's a great camera. It still does everything I need it to do. It's just kind of frustrating because it's like I've seen a lot of people being able to use like a GoPro for like, I guess for lack of better words, like a vlogging setup. That's kind of what I'm looking for. So I'm able to set it there, have good sound, good video, and it can record what I need it to record. Um and not be like some crazy like production rig when I'm trying to use it. So I thought, right. okay, GoPro will work. Well, of course, the GoPro I have doesn't have the external audio um, set or support, so you can't get the adapter to plug in a mic. So I'm like, okay, well, that's lame. And then you're like, okay, well, do I get another GoPro? And then I'm looking at GoPros, and you're like, do I really want to spend that kind of money? So I don't know. I'm trying to look into ways of converting my iPhone because I've seen some products to make your iPhone work for that same exact thing, which you know would be perfect because my phone's on me, so I could set that up in a little tripod, you know. And they do make um, external mic kits for it, so I could just do that, you know. So I'm trying to go. All right, do I spend the money for like a mic and stuff and try and make my phone work, or do I shell out the money and get a new mic? GoPro, the adapter, all that crap just to do videos and then like to turn around in like two years and be like, all right, I only used it like five times. This was a waste of all that time and investment. You know, after getting that um, free fly movie uh, gyro that I have, after that, like I haven't even touched any of my GoPros or anything. Like I've just, I've strictly just been using my phone and that's it. And I'm pretty happy with it, really. Like, I mean, honestly, like the GoPro that I've got, the uh, I think it's a Hero Four. The um, my iPhone takes better video, honestly. Anyways, it's just there's a couple more steps that are involved. Like, I have to upload the footage to uh, OneDrive and then take it off of there and put it in the editing software and stuff. You know, since I can't just plug my iPhone into a PC and pull the files off of it, I've tried and just can't seem to get it but i'm also not tech genius either so i just use the cloud and put the video there and then yank it from that and do the editing yeah um that's the only other thing i was thinking about too because i said getting your footage off that i mean i've done it before it's not as straightforward but it is doable to not have to put it up to the one drive you can actually just go directly to um you know the computer and pull it um but you also have to kind of know what you're looking for because it kind of it kind of comes up, I guess, more computery, or like you know, like you have to be more computer savvy to understand what it's doing. Yeah, Trav was having the same issue with his, and he had to end up putting it on, uh, putting it on his cloud, and then taking it off of there. But you know, I I think you're, I th- I think it's a good idea to do the helper videos and stuff, like the Servo Winch one, for example. That thing's up to like two thousand views now, which is crazy. I I wasn't really expecting anything quite like that but i mean it seems like videos like that like tips and tricks and stuff are pretty well received so far so i think the more stuff that we do like that the better you know and it it helps them and it's fun for us to do too so yeah and i want it so what the one i was trying to work on was the um was a wrap but of course my uh, i wasn't using my phone because i didn't have the external mic for it so i was using what i used to use when i recorded some of the older videos was my ipod touch um because i have an external mic for that because back then apple still had the um the microphone port so you can actually plug in you know the head jack port um 
So I was able to plug in my Rode um, headphone microphone, um, little get you know gizmo gadget thingy, um, and of course that thing was down to like you know I didn't realize it, but it was down to like thirty percent, and it like conked out in the middle of me doing the the filming. So I was like. I'm not peeling the wrap off to, <laughs> the thing, to go charge this. I just continued wrapping and said, I'm going to have to do it on it. Uh, this isn't going to be the last rig that I wrap. I, it's just – it sucked because it was like I had everything set up. I was ready to go. And, and then you realize once it's like – once it dies on you, you're like, I'm talking to myself. This whole time I could have just been done, but I was trying to like show the camera what I'm doing so that way like it made sense <laughs> to whoever's watching. And it was for nothing. That sucks so bad. But yeah, that's I, my- I should do a how-to video for wraps. Like, it's stupid that I haven't, you know, taken the time to do that yet. I probably should. Yeah, and then the other thing, too, is it's just like – it's kind of funny because it's, you know, it's like on my fault, I should have paid attention. Like, typically – and that's the one thing I don't like about, like, our phones these days. And I know we're going to get a lot of people that will probably be like, well, that's why you should go with, like, a Samsung or, you know, an Android or whatever, like the Galaxy Note. Um, but – like the thing I don't like about these smartphones now is, and it happens with my phone, and my, well, especially because that iPod's so old, it pro- I should have known better, even more so with that. But um, it'll say like you have 35% battery, and the thing lasts for like four hours, and you're like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. And then there's other times where it says, oh, it's got 30% battery, and you literally touch it, and it like next thing you know, it's down to like five, and you're like, what the heck just happened? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I. I don't know. I probably charge mine a little bit more than I should. That's something I should probably maybe not do. But yeah, that that's the worst having it run out in an opportune time. I actually pack around like when I'm out like crawling and stuff. I have a uh, standalone battery that I can charge my phone or i or uh, GoPro or whatever off of. So that's that's kind of nice having that little emergency charge battery in the backpack. Yeah, I have one of those too. Um, I have one of those. It's like a battery backup bank kind of thing. Like you charge it and it holds the power yep. or the charge. Yeah. And then you plug in your device, whatever it is, <clears throat> and tell it to turn on essentially. And then that charges whatever device it is. Um, I have one of those too. The other thing I have since like it, it works kind of hand in hand when you're out crawling is I have one of those ProTech um, battery adapter things you know with the dean's plug on it oh yeah yep that's a good idea too i have one of those because you're especially when you're out on the trail you have batteries you know yeah Um, for sure plug it in you could play and then it's got a usb port on the other side so you could plug in like you know whatever like you know phone chargers gopro chargers i mean sky's pretty much the limit at that point um and that's great too, but one thing I do got to say is I believe they recommend you using a 2S on that because you can do 3S. There's just no lipo cutoff, so just be very careful when you're using it because if anyone's listening to this and they're like, oh, that sounds cool. I want to go get one. Just be aware of that because I know a couple people that live like more in you know rural areas and the power went out and they're like perfect i have these let's let's use it i'll, I'll charge my wife's phone and my kids phones and everybody will be ready to go tomorrow and the, their phones won't be dead and this that and the other and they let the stuff go overnight and he killed like four of his rc batteries oh, because that sucks yeah because you know he thought oh it, they're you know they're 5000 milliamp packs he can go for a few hours and it'll be fine um and no, 
and he and two of them w- wouldn't charge after that. Like he, no matter what he did, they c- would not charge, and he was just like, ugh. So yeah. Oh wow, yeah, that sucks. I you know having some sort of an auxiliary battery like that, like especially if you are out on the trail and everything and you do you know if you are a person who takes a lot of video and stuff i think having an auxiliary battery is like a really good safety precaution too you know because if you slip and fall hurt yourself whatever you know it's like i don't know just try and mitigate the number of risks that you've got going on you know especially if you're out by yourself i mean it's definitely something to consider because I know I'm like taking pictures and video and all kinds of stuff when I'm out. Yeah, which also leads me to my other thing because I remember we talked about it and there's been a lot of people that have commenting saying they've wanted to see my backpack setup. Um, after you did your backpack setup, which is on our YouTube channel, um, I know I've been meaning to do it too, but I wanted to do it with like because I mean you have the really cool background. You're out in nature, so it's better than just doing it at the bench in your shop or your garage. So you know where it's kind of like boring you're actually like out and about well i want to do this thing especially now with what's going on it's like can't really do that now unless you like (laughs) you know so it's like i don't know it's just it's like frustrating i almost need to bring that backpack up with me like next week when we come back to pick up the jeep and like do it in the backyard up here because it's a little more woodsy up here than it is down in the bay area so yeah i go to a park that's just down the street from us and uh it's out in the middle of the woods like we're very much in a rural area and it's kind of cool that we have this little park with some hiking trails and stuff right by the house but uh i usually go there like i i would do stuff in like we've got a beautiful backyard here and everything but i would do stuff here but there's just too many flowers and stuff so it looks like a backyard you know what i mean so yeah it's it's better going over i mean i've used that park for all kinds of stuff too. I mean, I've taken so many pictures and done product photos and stuff over there just cause it's like convenient and close by. So little cooler looking than backyard with flowers and trees and stuff, fruit trees. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah. So little projects, you know, that, that have been kind of floating around, you know, and especially now when you have more time and I mean, it, and, and it really sucks. And like I said, I don't want to keep bringing this back up, but it's like, you know, I have multiple jobs that are waiting to go, but it's like, everybody's kind of waiting on what's going on with, you know, this whole COVID-19 thing. It's like, uh, our, one of our big projects shut down just because, you know, there's so many people working on the job site, um, daily that they just didn't want to risk it. So they shut it down. And then I got, uh, two other clients that want to go with some projects, but they're kind of like in the same boat. They're like, eh. so I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to do? I said, oh, this is kind of perfect opportunity to catch up on all this stuff, but it's like, you know, you're back to square one. You're like, all right, well, can't really go anywhere. So that, you know, yeah, you know, it, like it's, yeah. So it's just like, yeah, it's just crazy right now. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I think for me, it's just going to be project time, you know, just like finishing stuff up. Like I'm, I'm almost done with that Bronco, and I actually think I may start on the drag car now. Like, I nice. may, may actually finally have the time. Like, I'm, I think, four or five orders away from being caught up on retail orders, you know, from the online store and stuff. So that'll be cool. Today was kind of the first time I've ran into a situation where I've had, like, supply issues for, you know, because of what's going on and everything. Uh, the wholesaler that we get all of our blank clothing and blank hats and stuff from is they're currently suspending operations so we will not have hats for who knows how long now 
So what I've got here is it. We're completely out of black, and I just have one black camo and three tans left. The, or, the order that I just placed to restock is just sitting right now because there's no employees. Yeah, see, and then that's the other hard part too because then it's like, you know, then a lot of builds that cost money and especially if like you're not working now, you know, times get harder to get certain stuff and it's just like – it's it's just like I said, it's – in my opinion, it's, it's like a crappy time for all this to happen. Yeah. I'm not even, like, excited to get the drag car done and, like, post it or anything. Like, dude, it, I thought, like, crawler drama was bad. The drag racing stuff is getting so bad. Like, for one, like, somebody was talking about doing call-out videos, like, where you talk trash about the other guy and, you know, blah, 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 and you call him out. And then you – and I was like, that's so stupid. I mean, like, honestly, that's so cheesy and dumb-looking from – a person well, on the outside like uh, see the thing is you know that's the first i've heard of it but i can understand what they want to do i mean me it's it's like they're kind of trying to reenact street outlaws which is so lame though it's like it's rc cars like and plus there's always that dude that's going to take it too far or not be able to handle a joke or whatever and just i don't know i just i think it's a bad idea but man i i noticed like Tim, goddamn, dude, that he takes such a beating online from people that either don't know him or know him and just don't care, like what you've said before. But I mean, there's always somebody just carrying on about it. Like I, I was talking to somebody today, and it's just, I don't know. It's it, it's like this big influx of new dudes that are getting into RC because of drag racing that weren't in it before, and they just. I don't know. It, it's just chaos right now. <laughs> the The whole online drag racing scene for RC is just chaos at the moment. Well, see, the the hard part about that too is, see, Tim's like, and I think the reason, and it's kind of like almost with like anything, and it, if you have a scene or if you have something that's going on and you have your prominent, um, you know, names are the established people that are already in it. Of course, somebody's going to want to make a name for themselves, so of course they're going to want to, you know, try and call out the big guys and and talk trash or whatever, you know, their 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 cause may be or their reasoning for what they're doing. But it's just like I don't know, it's just kind of like crazy because it's you know, Tim's like one of those like, you know, he's a good buddy of ours and, you know, and I talk to him, you know, almost weekly and i mean he's just like it's funny like he'll even say it too he's like well i guess i better you know i guess i could say this but you know if i do i'm gonna get half the rc community telling me that i leaked this when it's already been out but nobody's been doing any you know research or doesn't know that this is out yet or i'll get the other half that are like super stoked because i'm talking about it and then it's like it's like he just knows that he gets flack for almost anything he does yeah like the dude can't win you know and, and it's, it's just i don't but know the, but the cool thing is you do got to give him credit that he keeps his chin up and he just laughs and smiles and treats everything the same. Oh, yeah. No, he does. He handles it really well. It's just like this never-ending line of people wanting to step up and talk shit about him or something and, like, try and, you know, make, have some point they're trying to prove. And it's, I don't know, it's just, I, I think I've seen so much of it because of the online crawler scene and stuff that it's like I see it 
happening in the racing scene and it just immediately starts to suck the enthusiasm right out of me well see and i guess that's the one thing that for me it's always like been kind of cool is i knew getting into the drag racing that i wasn't going to get into it to compete so to say like and when i say compete i mean compete like kind of like you know like how a lot of the socal boys do like tim like tyler like todd um you know all those dudes down there like the ones that went out to vegas those guys are like the ones that are in it to you know they're in it to win it they're not in it for fun they're in it to win it i mean like yeah we'll host an event at jj's and like have a 20 dollar buy-in or whatever and get like 10 guys there and you know friendly competition but you know i'm not going to be like one of those you know like dead set i gotta come in first beat this guy out and like how can i adjust this to make my car even better i mean for me it's just to have something that's fun and all another form of rc that you can go out and have fun with and laugh about i mean you know i like i've already gotten it from a couple people like you know they they see my posts or my pics of my electronic choices and setups for my drag car and they're like you do know that the batteries, you know that that plug is limiting your power, and it's like, it can I guess it can, but you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm not one of those guys that are really like, I don't know, I don't want to sound like naive or like a punk, but it's like I don't really care. It's like I'm doing it to have fun. So yeah, if the plug fails, okay, then I'll address it then. Like if that really, yeah, exactly. If it really does rob me, or if it really does do something, then yeah, I'll address it then. But until then, it's like I'm just using what I have because. You know, I'm a crawler at heart, so the majority of my money and my parts are crawler related. So to me, it just doesn't make sense switching over to a completely new battery system just to run drag car, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I'm just gonna, like, just run what you brung. I mean, and just have fun. I mean, and that's what I want to see. Um, you know, just more people doing that. And like, you know, and, and, and to anybody listening, don't get discouraged. You know, if, if, if you see a lot of drama and stuff, you know, just have fun. Like, don't, you know, like, not everybody has to be, you know, Ricky Bobby. If you're first, yeah. you're last. You know, if you're not first, you're last. Like, you don't have to have that mentality. You could just go out and have fun. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I'm just more or less doing it to help kind of grow our local scene here and everything. And, you know, it's one more car that'll be at the park for the drag strip and everything this summer. So, it man, it, I think that's one of the toughest things right now is, like, there's so many things that we were supposed to have finished by now at the park so that when nice weather hit in summer, it was done. And it's like, we're just so far behind now. And by the time we're able to get out and start doing stuff, it's going to suck because the park's not going to be ready, but everybody's going to be ready wanting to use it. And we're not to that point yet because, you know, we're hoping to be able to use this downtime when the weather's not so great in the springtime. And, raining up here and stuff to you know get a good jump on building and everything and getting stuff done out there and we're just not having that opportunity right now yeah no i i hear you on that and and it's like you know and also what's going on too is it's like it's actually taking a toll on a lot of like just like events and stuff that's going on like you know um the, the whole especially in california the whole stay in place order ends literally like the week before Proline by the Fire. And, you know, as optimistic as I want to be and say, yeah, I hope it, it goes on, I'm just, I'm already almost prepared myself that it just isn't going to happen. And I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer and say that, but it's like, you know, it's like, 
I don't think it's going to happen, though. I mean, I, I mean, I just don't see it happening just based on everything that's going on, and it sucks because it's like now that it's starting to like really affect a lot of like events and stuff like that, you know, because. You know, Proline by the Fire is obviously one of the first big ones that it's going to affect because it's in May. Um, it's not like one of the ones towards the end of the year. So, and of course, like after all that started happening, you know, I already started getting texts and all that stuff from people asking, like, "Hey, do you have you heard anything about Axial Fest? Is Axial Fest still going on, or is it canceling?" And this, you know, and it's like it's still a little too early to know, but it's like. I don't know, and I feel like one of the other answers is it really comes down to if people kind of do their part to kind of like watch out and not like, you know, spread what's going on, Um, you know, because if if like what happens is you get a ton of people flooding these places and not like taking, you know, the time to do what you're told and like kind of go out and, you know, just get your essentials, come home, whatever, and if you're out there – and if you and if you're still going out to parks and playing and doing all this stuff, I mean, what it's kind of given, you know, the states, you know, and the people that are actually in charge, they're just looking at it as like you don't care. So the longer it takes for everything to calm down, then you know the longer they're gonna have to keep it going. So it's like, I don't know, it, it, and it's hard because I'm one of those two. Like I'll, I'll admit it, you know, I when it first all started happening, I was kind of like, you know, oh yeah, you know, it's it's. You know, it's it's a serious thing that's going on, but you know, oh, you know, it's it's no different than the flu, or it's no different than this, and just keep going and like continue, you know. But now, like, starting to see like what it's doing, and it's not just you know, you know, it's not just lives. It's 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 beyond that, and like I said, it's trickling into all different you know forms of what we're used to doing, you know, on a daily basis. You know, from work to grocery store to buying stuff for the uh, for your house, for you know, going on vacation, for having trips planned and events planned and concerts, and I mean, like, the list just goes on and on and on. So, it's just you know, it's going to be a really hard year in RC this year. So I think you know, the only thing I want to stress is just you know, keep your chin up and try and do your part, and you know, we'll get through it. Um, you know, that's what we're here doing this for. We're doing this here for your entertainment to give you something, an outlet to get away from all of what's going on. Um, yeah. And the other thing too, especially, and this is like super important and I can't stress it enough, but I mean, like if you're buying stuff and ordering things like be patient, I mean, everybody knows what's going on. It's all over the news and everything. And, yeah, I mean, if, like, big chain stores are being affected by it, like, hobby stuff's going to be affected by it, too. So, I mean, from what I understand, the only reason A-Main's even open and, you know, can be open right now is because of them selling bicycles. That makes it them fall under the, uh, the um, essential category. Yeah. And so, I mean, otherwise they'd probably be closed down, too. So, I mean, it's just... You know, everything's affected, supplies, people, everything, you know, people getting out of the house to take stuff to ship. And, you know, so I just I hope that people just chill out and just understand that, you know, hey, this is affecting all facets of business. So be freaking patient. Yeah. And the other the other thing I've loved about this opportunity is 
you know, I've noticed, and I think it has to do with a little bit of everything. I think it has to do with like you know, people are home, so they're like exploring more outlets and they're discovering things like our podcast, and um, you know, we're starting to get a lot more frequent. I'd say frequent messengers. Like there's some there's a handful of people that message the Instagram page, the Facebook page, um, and they you know, and they have like little questions here and there, and and some of them are. All of them, I should say. I'll answer, you know, or we'll answer them um, as they come in. But they're also sometimes when they're, you know, good enough, like we kind of save them to also touch on the show. So it's like kind of cool that like we're starting to interact more and be able to answer people and create more content by interacting with our audience. Um, because like a prime example was there was a guy, um, and I believe this one, this was an Instagram message. Um, so let me see if I can pull that up while I'm still rambling to not have dead time. Because um, I just want to make sure I say I, I give credit where credit's due. And his name was uh, Ranger Rex. Um, yeah, so he uh, so he messaged and he said, you know, been listening, love the show, been catching up on old episodes, um, and you know, so he had a question about servos. Um, he said he wants to, you know, he wants to upgrade his servo. He's he's got a fifty to seventy dollar um, budget, and just kind of wanted to know like if there's any do's and don'ts, and you know. What's a good budget one, and you know, and kind of like what we touched on in the past on our, on our, you know, in our shows is, you know, there are budget servos, and they'll get the job done. They'll be cheaper, but we've always kind of like stressed that, you know, maybe budget isn't always, you know, the way to go or to look. I mean, of course, like who doesn't want to save money? Who doesn't want to like, you know, uh, spend the least amount of money to get a quality product? But I feel that's why it's kind of like good sometimes to kind of like. You know, kind of like see a, see what certain people are using, or kind of see what the general population is kind of using. I guess is the best way to say it, because you know, with all these companies, you're gonna find a servo that is comparable, and like, yeah, maybe you'll be spending a little bit, you know, more money than you wanted to initially, but the, in the end result, you probably won't have to buy another servo for like you know, five, six years, or even longer. I mean, I've got some servos in some of my rigs that I literally have not touched since they've been installed, and those rigs have been running strong for six-plus years, and I don't plan on changing them anytime soon. Dude, I've got a high-tech that I was... It's been in two-wheel short course, four-wheel short course, two-wheel buggy. Like, this servo has been in everything, and I got that thing used from a buddy in 2012, and it's still alive and kicking <laughs> Exactly. And see, and that's the thing too. I mean, and I'm going to, and you know, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, you know, both of us have, um, you know, sponsorships through certain companies and, you know, we wouldn't be doing our, our sponsors due diligence by like trying to like hype up, you know, a competitor's brand. But at the same time, we also try to be professional enough to give you a proper answer. Um, you know, yeah. My go-to response, if you ask me, is always going to be an MKS product, just because I, you know, stand behind, you know, their products. I love, every, you know, the quality that's in their products. Their price point to me is pretty spot on for what you're getting. So yeah, I have confidence in pushing someone in the right direction, going with that product. Um, at the same time, 
I can also use them as kind of like a base point or like a reference point when you're trying to compare it to other um, servos out on the market. Like for instance, there's a, you know there's the high tech. Um, what is it? The 45. Oh God, I'm the wrong guy to ask. It's something like that, but it's it's something. It's the high tech something, and basically it's the one that comes in almost every ready to run. I think it's got a 150 ounces, you know, of torque and. They're, you know, not really waterproof. They're, you know, it's just a, it's in, in some of them have metal gears, but it's like, it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a cheap servo. It's like, it's like 30, 40 bucks. But it's like, if you look at that, okay, I'm spending 30, 40 bucks for that servo and you can go out and buy something like, for instance, I know I've said it in the past, like the DS1220 from MKS, that retail is $80, $79.99. You're getting a servo with the capabilities of run, of pushing 422 ounces of torque, which is you know three times almost the amount of um, it's like two and a half times the amount of what that cheaper um, high tech can push out, and you're getting something with an with an aluminum case, uh, metal gears, uh, it's water resistant and you know so you're spending a little bit more than what you would on the other part, you know, or the other brand to save money, but at the long run, you're going to have something that's quality that's going to last. And I think that's something to like kind of like push not just with servos but with like almost any electronics. I know we've said it in the past like don't always just go for the cheapest thing you find um, because you could be paying for that thing three times just to get what you could have got out of spending one amount on another, you know, product. I mean, yeah, I know Exactly. I know you're going to be more familiar with the Protec yeah, you know, I'm the nice thing is is I'm not actually like tethered to any one specific brand for servos. Um I'm a Tekken driver so I can use Tekken servos, but I'm not required to. Um I love their servos. In my opinion, they're kind of like the Rolex of servos, kind of right there with MKS. Um I've used MKS. Um like I, I've been kind of all over the place as far as servos go lately, and the the one that I usually recommend to people is the A Mains Eco Power brand. It's sixty bucks. It's the WP one twenty T, I believe, and it's like sixty bucks. I think it's either six bucks or twelve bucks for a replacement gear set. It's waterproof. And at 7.4 volts, it puts out, I believe it's like 488 ounces of torque. So, I mean, like, it's a great performing one. If the off chance that you break it, gears are super cheap for it. So that's kind of the one that I recommend people, you know, if they're, like, on a budget, that's what I recommend to them. But other than that, like, it's kind of nice because I've, like, had experience using all these different kinds of servos and stuff. And so I've gotten to check out a lot of different stuff and I there's ones that I'll stay away from now and there's other ones that I'm like super into you know like the MKS MKS and the Tekken ones um and the Protec too like the Protec 370 TBL is awesome but it's just pretty expensive for most people and so well yeah and that's and you're gonna find that with a lot of brands like you know you can get some really crazy you know, high end servo, but it usually those ones come with a pri- with a heavy price ticket. So, yeah. um, the other thing too was, and I thought this was kind of a good learning um, point to touch on is when I did tell him about that servo, he was the only concern he was he was having was he's running um, 
he's running, I'm assuming, a 2S battery because he said, well, my system's a 7.4 system, and that servo's rated at 6 volts. Is that going to be an issue? And I said, it's not going to be an issue because your receiver is not going to put out more than 6 volts. The only way you're going to get more than 6 volts out of that receiver is if you had an auxiliary BEC, and then you were to change what you wanted the overall current, you know, you know the amps to be um, per whatever unit. Right. Um, so I told you know so I told him I said yeah you'll be you'll be fine you're not gonna fry it. Um, the only way you'd be able to fry it is if you were like to somehow directly plug it into the battery. Yeah, if you ran it off battery power, then that'd be a problem. But I mean, usually like. I mean, you can get away without using BEC if you have a high-volt servo. Like, if you get something like the 370, you know, you can put 8.4 volts to it, and you're going to be fine. But, I mean, most everything normally that is considered to be high-volt is 7.4. So you're pretty safe with that. I know, like, Tekken's ESC, the RX-4, you can adjust internally what the BEC output is in that ESC, whether it's 6 volts or 7.4, which is kind of cool, too. But not not many ESCs have that capability. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so, no, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it was a good little learning experience. I, I kind of wanted to touch, you know, touch on it because I know he's one individual that listens to the show, and he had some questions about servos and whatnot. Um, and like, you know, we've never, I don't think we've ever really dove super deep into, you know, the do's and don'ts of servos. Um, and the other hard part too is there's some people that get really nervous when they, when they ask, like when they want waterproof electronics and some companies don't advertise. Um, I've had this conversation with Thomas of MKS numerous times about waterproof, like the word waterproof and the MKS servos. And he said due to warranty issues, um, it's too hard to stay on top of warranty issues by saying something's waterproofed because they don't know what kind of actual, you know, activities are really going on. You know, yeah, so he, is it getting some raindrops or is it getting submarined? Like what? What everybody's kind of got their own definition of waterproof. And if there are some guys that you know, if you say you know this is waterproof, they're gonna be like, oh great, you know, and they're gonna drive it three feet of water, you know, in a creek or something, completely under the water. So kind of, it's something different to everybody. Exactly, and that's why I like to use the word water resistant because, like almost anything, you're going to be able to put those servos in a in a truck and drive it. And there could it could be raining, there could be some puddles on the thing, or you can lightly submerge part of the truck in the water for a second, and you're going to be fine. It's really when you start seeing failures is if you like decided to submarine it and you're underwater for like two minutes, and then you know that's when you can actually waterlog something and you could see a failure point in that. Um, but, I mean, your average person isn't going to do that. So, in my opinion, sometimes some of these people that are like, oh, I have to have a wa- – it's got to say waterproof, you know, you might want to look and see what, like I said, what other people are running because I guarantee you there's some people that are running some products that are not claimed to be waterproof and they do just fine – out in the elements oh yeah absolutely and plus like with servos like that's actually a really easy thing that you can waterproof with a servo take it apart and make a shugu 
I mean, most nice servos have O-ring seals on all the, you know, in in between each of the three parts of the case. Mm-hmm. But in case they don't, um, use shugu. Make a little gasket out of shugu, you know, on the lip of each surface. Reassemble it, and then on the output shaft of the servo, get an O-ring that's the correct size and um, put an O-ring on there and apply some waterproof grease. And normally you're not going to have issues. I mean, that that's usually good enough to where it can handle anything you, you throw at it by doing it that way. Exactly. And, um, yeah, and, I mean, I wish I actually filmed it. It'd be pretty, it'd be pretty cool. But I remember when I was running my bone stock, well, pretty much bone stock, um, SCX-10-2 RTR, and all I really did was throw in the MKS uh, DS1220 and that, and just and ran it, just ran it the way it was. Well, there's a creek that runs up here um, at the house in Auburn, and we got back from a run, and I was like, you know, I was just bored playing around, and I said, you know what, I'm going to drive and see if I can make it to the other side of the creek, you know, and I didn't realize how deep it was. I thought it was going to make kind of like some funny, cool shots because I, I had a snorkel on the body, so I thought it would be kind of like funny to have just the top of the snorkel hanging out. Well, at one point, the thing dropped off so far because that's the other thing too is some of the areas in that creek, the depth um, perception is kind of like off. So you're like, oh yeah, it's not that deep. Next thing you know, you're like underwater. Yeah, and, that's hard. <laughs> and I drove that thing completely underwater, and I was actually shocked that it had enough weight to keep traction on the ground. Because the the problem I've seen in the past is sometimes it floats, and then you don't really have the wheels spinning on the ground, and it's kind of like just like spinning in in place, and it doesn't go anywhere. And it actually drove, and and it was funny. And Michelle's dad came out. I was like, "What are you doing?" And like, he couldn't believe that I was driving from one end of the bank up under under the water up to the other one, turning around, coming back. And and he's like, "Did you do anything to that?" I said, "Nope. I'm going off of what Axial said was waterproof, and that's about it. I mean, I didn't do anything to that rig, and it went back and forth. And of course, when you're done, I took the body off, set it out in the sun, let it dry, you know. But like, it was like." You know, and and to me, I would say, yeah, that's pretty waterproof. If you didn't do anything to like the servo, and the thing's working fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think most of the time your issue is with receivers getting wet. That that's what I've ran into. I mean, the Tekken ESCs are waterproof now for the crawler ones, so that's really not an issue. The only issues that I have had has just been from my receiver getting wet, and usually those don't get ruined. You just you know, take them out, let them dry, put them back in, good to go. Yeah, that would also be another kind of like a good, um, I guess, idea on, you know, a topic like talking about getting certain products waterproof. We'll have to sit down and um, go over like the different areas of what to do. That would be a pretty cool cool um, topic to cover. But um, before our time runs out, um, I wanted to, and we don't have many, um, wanted to go over some of the questions from our I think we really only have two while you're picking which one I'm going to grab a monster and I'll be right back alright alright I'm back was that a, was that like a shameless plug? Like a this this uh, this segment of the of the show is brought to you by Monster Energy Drink. Uh, no, 
maybe 10 years ago when I was sponsored by him. Yeah, but not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just, I'm like, just, it's been a crazy day. I mean, like I usually start work at 10 and then work anywhere from, you know, six until sometimes three, four, five the next morning. And man, today, like I have just been tired i mean had a pretty late night last night not too bad like i think i was done around 2 30 or 3 but today for whatever reason man my house has just been dragging so bad yeah no i get what you're saying um yeah no so we really only had like two questions i guess you could say um for this for this week um, the first one is from uh, Rick Texera. He says, someday when this current situation is over, I'm planning on doing some U4 racing. What are some things to consider to bring for a day at the track? Um, I know Dan Sutherland had responded to him, and he recommended food, drink, spare parts, and a pit buddy. Um, that's pretty much um, what you need. I mean, if you're going to be anywhere, whether it's a U4 track, you're out on the trail, um, or an indoor trail course, whatever, um, you're going to want something to eat because if you're going to be there all day, you know, you need to eat. So definitely, you know, food, drinks, water, so you stay hydrated, um, especially if it's a place where you're actually doing a lot of crawling or like walking around with it. Like, you know, when you're doing trail crawls and stuff, you're going to be walking like a mile you know, ish or more, you're going to want to stay hydrated. So make sure you got water, food, uh, spare parts is always a good, you know, um, recommendation because nobody wants their day cut short because you broke something and you don't have anything to replace it with. Um, and then obviously tools to install that because you don't want to, you know, that's another thing. You don't want to break a part, have the part, and then not have the tools to install that part. Yeah. So that's a, pl- that's a definite must. Um, and then the only other thing, I mean, yeah, having somebody there to be a buddy, like to be your friend or whatever, you know, or like somebody to companion to talk to, or even somebody like he said, like a pit buddy, someone who can help you, you know, repair your stuff. Um, that's a plus. Um, the other thing I would say is uh, make sure you have plenty of batteries charged because, you know, nothing's going to be more of a pain in the butt than trying to. Comp- you know, to do something like U4, compete in U4, and then like your battery's dead, and then the next heat comes, and you have no more batteries to run, or you thought you had three that were charged, but only one's charged, and you know, so just make sure you have everything ready to go and spare batteries, just spare parts, spare batteries, anything that you kind of can think of, you know, your ordinary stuff that could go wrong, just make sure you have extras of that. Um, But yeah, is there anything you would add to that list of items? Hmm. For you, four? Uh, it depends. Uh, spare parts, it kind of depends on what rig he's driving. Some are going to break stuff more than others. Um, if you have a bomber or a Yeti and you have a plastic axle housing, then I would definitely take like extra housings because your day's shot if you break one of those. But I don't know, just battery chargers, some kind of shade, um, something to drink, super crucial. Some sunblock, sunglasses. Really, that's that's kind of about it. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, and hopefully you get out there and get to enjoy U4 racing. Um, 
The next one is from uh, Brendan Clark. He said, my boys and I are building a small crawler course in our backyard. We have used landscape blocks for a jagged section and a one to two inch diameter tree limbs for a bumpy climb section. I like to add something similar to Die Hard's rock section. That was at the Northwest Expo in January. Can you have any tips, ideas, or thoughts on building materials to use? Here's a pick of our course so far. Um, I'm trying to find that right now so I can look at it. Um, so it really depends on like how challenging you want to make it. Um, you could use stuff like those river rocks, um, the really s s like smooth river rocks. Um, <clears throat> those are good for if you want to like, kind of like a more technical area because they're not really grippy. Um, and the fact that they are so smooth, sometimes the tires kind of slide, so it could create a challenge. If you want it something a little bit easier to grab and climb, any of your you know more coarse rocks will do, um, you know, granite-based kind of like stuff uh, is way more grippier than, you know, the smooth river rocks. Um, if yeah. you can find some volcanic rock that has, like what we had in Central Oregon that has, like, the little holes everywhere, you know, not cinder, but, I mean, like, it was, the volcanic rock that we had in Oregon was really, really porous, and it had just holes all over the surface of it. If you can find some stuff like that, that would be crazy good to build a course out of. Yeah, no, um, anything like that. Like, your more porous rocks are going to be a, a lot more traction, so you could build some cool stuff out of it. And then I've even seen people um, do stuff as much as, you know, kind of just, you know, mix up some concrete or mortar um, and they kind of take like wire mesh and they kind of form it into like different like you know sections and just kind of like make their own you know kind of man-made you know slab areas kind of you know thing. Um, there's all kinds of stuff because I remember I think it was the last year it was at Cisco when we did um, when we did our little scale course area. There was a guy who um, brought some obstacles and one of them was this man-made. It was like this like. I don't know what he used to actually make the actual hole for the thing, but it was like it was like this big. I mean, that thing was huge. It had to be about eighteen inches tall. It was like some big dome kind of like hump, and you could drive through the center, so um, so people could drive underneath while you're trying to climb over it. And it was like one of those big obstacles, like you've seen at some of the four wheel parks, like you know the big um, concrete cinder, or you know um, like the cinder tube kind of thing and it was pretty cool i mean like you like the you know the sky is really the limit when it comes to like what you're trying to create as a obstacle i mean we've even seen people use stuff like pvc pipe you know because that's super slippery and you can make like off camber stuff that you have to get through and that uses a lot of horsepower but you got to remember like i said it really comes down to do you want it to be drivable and doable or do you want there to be a challenging section where you have to find something and the other thing too is you know it might be something that you might have to throw together a couple times and take apart and then re-put back together because you know it might be too challenging that nobody ever gets through it and then if you make it too easy then you're kind of like all right it's just a walk in the park you know and everybody's level of what they want to do for the day, like how difficult they want it to be, can vary. So that's why sometimes, like you know, it might be nice to throw something that's kind of a cakewalk to kind of build up some some confidence after you are just over something that's like totally, you know, super hard. You know, trying to figure out the li the right line, the right yeah, angle, everything. Maybe try and build stuff with alternate lines. Is it, like if you have the room, 
try and make alternate lines as much as you can so that you can have a hard one and then an easy one. Like that was one of the things we were super worried about building that concrete course was, man, what if it's too easy or what if it's too hard? And so it's like, it's really hard trying to find like a good happy middle ground with that. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that's what it comes down to. It's just like, it's hard trying to appease everybody and everybody's skill set or what they, like I said, what they want to do. So since it's your own personal course in the backyard and it's for you and your boys to have a good time, I wouldn't make it too overly hard, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if where you're located, if there's like an outdoor, I'm not talking like a Home Depot or Lowe's, even though they might have some of the stuff, but I don't know if there's like an actual like gardening supply, like because where I live, there's a couple gardening supplies where you can actually, you know, buy decent sized rocks, um, and you can actually, you know, like I said, spend like fifty, sixty bucks, and you can actually get some decent sized rocks to put, you know, to make kind of like some off camber um, courses and whatnot. And the other thing too is uh, you can always network with people in your area like if you know of a landscaper contractor who's like always constantly you know digging in someone's yard or removing stuff and you know a lot of times they have to pay to get rid of that so if you can find something that you can you know that you could use and they you don't want to get rid of it it's a win-win for everybody so yeah absolutely um, cause I've seen it. Um, there's a app for our area that's called next door. I don't know if you guys have that up there. And basically it's a, um, like a, in my opinion, it's like an extension of Facebook, but it's like where people get together in their neighborhood and they talk about things. And sometimes you'll have people saying, Hey, I'm in the middle of doing a backyard project. We've stumbled across X amount of pavers. We want them gone. Can someone just come pick them up? You know, they're free. Just come pick them up. And that's a cool way of getting some supplies too. Yeah. And the other thing too uh, that I I forgot, I wanted to mention this. So with building the stuff that we've been doing, not necessarily the man-made portable course at Die Hard, like that one, you're probably better off just getting rocks and stuff and doing like what you're talking about for a home course um, without any of the graphic stuff or anything that we did to that with lumber and foam and concrete and fabric, we were at about 600 bucks for that, um, 12 foot long portable course. Now, the one thing that we have learned through building stuff out at Die Hard is if you are putting rocks in the trick to making a man-made course like work really well is locking all the rocks in with dirt or even better yet concrete like if you can keep them from shifting around and stuff and get rid of all the little holes and everything it's so much easier like at Die Hard, we would take some pretty good sized rocks kind of get them positioned where we want um we would dig down and lock the rocks in that way with the soil or we would have them sitting on the surface and then dump bucket loads of dirt from the tractor on it wet it down you know throw little rocks inside the holes and stuff that were there to try and make some you know like make it to where stuff isn't gonna you know have massive holes you're gonna lose a wheel in or things that are gonna shift around and move on you because that's like the one frustrating thing with man-made courses is having the rocks roll away when you're trying to drive on them exactly but um yeah so i mean that's and like i said that's really the only two questions we had um so yeah i hope that helped out um both rick um and brendan 
So, uh, yeah. I was going to say, I don't know if there's that much more to touch base on this week. I think that was really about it. Um, I still have to get last week's episode up on Podbean, the one that was the Facebook Live. I apologize, everybody. It just been busy so i didn't have a chance to do that yet but i will get that up and then we will have this one up tonight early access for our patrons on patreon and uh yeah i don't know that's, that's probably about it isn't it yeah like i said i think what i want to do is maybe we'll do that for next week um and we'll probably put it out there a little um sooner to get some ideas back but um let us know kind of like when it comes to like your water, like what parts of the rig would you guys like to hear about? Like our take on waterproofing. I think that would be a good one to talk about. Yeah, definitely. So, because, you know, just like the real thing, you know, the rigs see the water, they see wet areas and whatnot. So, um, and there's, you know, multiple ways to achieve waterproofing or water resisting, um, your electronics and parts of the rig and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I think that'd be a good little segment to talk about. Yeah, definitely, especially because it's kind of that time of year, too, for a lot of people. Yep. Some places so. it's still winter and cold and snowy, but a lot of us are coming into rainy season or, you know, it's the weather's starting to change from rain to sun. So, yeah, that'd be a good thing to cover for sure. All right. Well, uh, with that being a closing statement, I guess we will see you guys next week. Uh, we hope... You, everyone stay safe, uh, do their part. Um, if you're working on anything you'd like us to take a look at, you know, make sure to to shout us out in you know your post or tag us, send it to us, whatever. Happy to take a look at it, uh, share feedback, share it on the show. Um, and until then, we will talk to you guys next week. Yep, see you guys.